now receive these words of scripture from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Good morning. <laughs> Amen. My name is Reverend T.C. Morrow, and I am glad to serve on Foundry's extended clergy team as the pastor for public witness and ecumenical connection. And it is a joy to be back with you after I spent a weekend with Catholic partners at the end of January, and then I was out of town for some rest and recharging the last two weekends. On this Transfiguration Sunday, we finish our series on the good life. And next week, we look forward to welcoming Reverend Dr. Lydia Munoz to be with us. And she will be our guest preacher throughout Lent, delving into a sermon series titled Holy Darkness. For those who saw my Facebook post on Friday, I can report that there are no quotes from my conversation with the chatbot ChatGPT in today's sermon. I did ask the chatbot to write a few sermons for me through a series of different directions on themes from our scripture texts for today. And honestly, some of them were not too bad. And after I told the bot to stop using male language for God, perhaps some were even something that I could preach this morning and then of course reveal the source. I decided not to do so, but I'll say that it will be interesting to see how the technology evolves for both how we seek information and how we produce content. And while I could talk all day about technology, I was a physics major after all, and how it helps or hinders our living a good life as we seek to grow in love of God and neighbor. Instead, let us turn to our scripture texts for the day, mountaintop experiences, some literal and many more figurative, and how we are always called to getting back down the mountain. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, I got to spend five refreshing days in the Green Mountains in Vermont. 
My family spent most of my elementary years in the Alps of southern Germany, and I love the mountains. Even the little hills that we have around here make me happy, and Logan and I ended up buying a home in Berwyn Heights. In the midst of the beauty of creation during a summer hike or a winter snow, I can encounter God's presence in our world. The sparkle of snow-covered peaks dazzles me, bringing me close to God's majesty. Mountains in the Bible often represent places where important things happen, particularly appearances of the divine from Moses to Elijah to the Psalms to our gospel lesson today. Mountains are locations of life-altering encounters with the divine. In our first text for today, God appears to Moses in a cloud on the mountain, and the Israelite people witness it from afar as a devouring fire. In the time on the mountain, God gives Moses instructions for how the people are to live a good life, including how they are to engage with one another, how they're to treat strangers, and how they are to worship. This is transformative not only for Moses, but for the Israelite people as a whole. Moses is the messenger of a covenant between the Israelites and God. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus takes a few of his disciples up a mountain for what serves as an affirmation of his fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, with Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets appearing after Jesus' sparkling, dazzling transformation. To drive home the point with the disciples, a cloud appears on the scene and God speaks from it. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. As we enter the season of Lent this week and head towards Good Friday, we know the challenges that are ahead for Jesus and his disciples. God helps fortify the disciples, both by affirming Jesus' identity, uh, his divine identity in addition to his human identity, and directing the disciples to listen to Jesus, and by extension to follow him regardless of where the path leads. These mountaintop experiences provide close encounters with God not for the sake of the experience of being close to God in and of itself, but for the sake of transformation and the call to action that follows. We grow in grace and love of God, not simply because it is a good thing to do, but so that our hearts and our actions are changed to better share God's love. We grow in grace and love of God so that we may be empowered by the Holy Spirit to work as laborers for justice and to catch glimpses of the kingdom of God. I want to invite us to spend a little bit of time taking a closer look 
at Moses's mountaintop experiences with God. He has more than one that's recorded in scripture. In Exodus chapter 24, we read of God directing Moses to some time apart from everyone else. Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. And wait there. God does not say, come on up and then get back down the mountain quickly because those people sure do need some help and supervision every single second. Now that might be true, but rather the text states that God instructs Moses and wait there. Sometimes we need some time to get ready, maybe to rest, maybe to reflect, maybe to learn and study. It isn't that the needs of the world aren't urgent. We know that they are so desperately. Sometimes we need preparation time before the encounter that will be transformative. We need time to be ready to open, to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's okay to take some time. But just as we can't spend all of our time on the mountaintop, we also can't spend all of our time getting there. In those six days, Moses had some time apart from his day-to-day leadership with the two often cranky Israelites. And they get so impatient while Moses is up on the mountain for 40 days that they build a golden calf to worship. Moses definitely needs some time in the presence of God since dealing with all of the ways that humans are so very prone to being so very bad to each other can be exhausting and disheartening and infuriating and so much more. So God gives Moses some space, six days, before on the seventh day, God calls Moses into the cloud and they get down to business. Now this isn't Moses' first significant encounter with God on a mountain. Moses encounters God through a burning bush while tending his father-in-law's sheep on a mountain. After God tells Moses what to do, Moses tries to give it a hard pass asking God to send someone else to Pharaoh. It isn't that Moses thinks it is unnecessary for someone to go. He just tries to get out of being the one to do it. But in the midst of all of it, ultimately Moses embraces his role. He provides faithful leadership in the face of injustice and oppression, ultimately responding to God's call to participate in the liberation of the Israelite people from the Egyptians. As we seek to live a good life, it is important to remember that this obedience from Moses was not wholehearted from the start. It took some time and convincing on God's part to develop within Moses. Also, Moses is grounded in God's call, not his own flashiness of tongue or any other attributes that he brings. 
When God names a way to move forward, given the obstacles that Moses perceives, Moses eventually goes along with it. Sometimes we respond to God's initiative quickly, and perhaps more often than not, it takes some convincing, and that is okay. Now, lest anyone receive the message that I'm saying you should always say yes to everything that is asked of you, though if you receive an email from me, please do consider saying yes, (laughs) know that first, many requests you receive are purely human and not divinely inspired. And secondly, I am a big proponent of discernment and testing, including seeking input from others, on whether an urging, a calling, a feeling that you're experiencing is truly from God. Sometimes you can think you're experiencing God and you're just caught up in the fervor of a crowd. I firmly believe that you can experience the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crowd, and I believe that I have. But there can also just be a lot of hype, and I know I've been a part of that as well. This might be the right time for me to mention the events taking place since February 8th at Asbury University. Maybe you've seen them on CNN or other sources. I've I've seen not only in my own Facebook feed, and some of you probably have a different Facebook feed than I have. Asbury is a more conservative-leaning school in the Wesleyan tradition in Kentucky. Described as a revival by some, in a reportedly unplanned move, students stayed in the chapel after a routine worship service on the 8th, and there has been round-the-clock worship, prayer, and confession since then. People have traveled great distances to join, and there are reports of encountering the holy. I pray that it might be a true revival, one of mountaintop experiences that lead to true transformation and people getting back down the mountain to get about the real work for change. Reverend Dr. Jack Harnish, a retired clergy person in the United Methodist Church and a graduate of Asbury, wrote this week, we all need times of spiritual renewal and revival. It can come through the sacraments or silence, like the rush of a mighty wind or the still small voice of God. He writes, I am a product of camp meetings, Methodist youth fellowship rallies, and the 1970 Asbury revival. There is a time for such experiences. However, without a companion commitment to social justice, they can become little more than emotional highs, which feel good, but produce little. I pray that spirit flows amongst those of all ages who are gathering at Asbury in these days and in other locations, as reported, that have been inspired by it. I pray that Holy Spirit will unveil evils of this world, war, poverty, racism, gun violence, mass incarceration, pollution, genocide, torture, and all that separates us from the fullness of life that God wants for us. I pray that when people want to build tents to stay on the mountaintop, 
trying to prolong the proximity to the intense experience of the holy, like Peter did in today's gospel lesson, that God might respond the same way. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I pray this for all of us. I pray that God will be present with us and let Holy Spirit flow abundantly through our regular practices of prayer, reading scripture, worship, holy communion, acts of mercy, acts of justice, and small groups. I pray God's grace is helping lead us to a good life through special encounters like retreats or activities that vary from person to person, like a walk in nature, yoga, playing an instrument or singing, or much more. I pray that God is helping lead us all to a good life. I pray that Holy Spirit will fill us with wisdom and courage and persistence in our pursuits for justice and shalom. I pray that when we need that nudge back down the mountain, where Jesus is calling us to follow, we will hear echoes of his words to the disciples, do not be afraid. Staying on the mountain is so tempting. Trying to spend all your time replicating what led to an intense experience with the holy is tempting. But if you have been fortunate, fortunate enough to have such an experience that you want to hold on to, that you want to recreate, do not get stuck in the midst of that. Get back down the mountain and go about whatever God is calling you to do, which I know varies from one to another. What God is calling me to do is not what God is calling you to do, but I pray that you will continue to discern what God is calling you to do. Four years ago, following the called special session of the General Conference of the United Methodist Church, I stood here in this pulpit and shared that during a time of silence on the day of prayer that started that special session, I prayed. We were all that were present were invited to be in prayer, to close our eyes and be in prayer. And when we were invited to open our eyes after the time of silence, a phrase was seared on my mind. Stay the course. On that day, a few hours later, after I'd not shared with anyone what I'd experienced earlier, I met a person for the first time, someone that I had worked with only a little bit on the phone previously, and he looked me right in the eye, and he said, stay the course. In the midst of some really bad days for policies for queer people in the United Methodist Church, this lesbian child of God received a clear message and experience of the Holy Spirit. There have been just a few such experiences in my life, and every time they have carried me through to better listen to Jesus. 
as God directs Peter and the disciples and by extension, all of us through God's words on the mountaintop. I am here today I'm here today, an ordained United Methodist clergy person in a church that I guess I'm a unicorn, but there's lots of unicorns. So uh, when our policies have not changed, but some are boldly moving forward anyway, and it is a result of God's persistent calling and equipping, not only of me, but of so many others in the work for LGBTQ inclusion in the church and in the broader society in general. And I give thanks to God for the work of the Holy Spirit and pray for it to continue to be present in my life and in all of our lives and all of our siblings around the world. I can tell you that the road back down the mountain is not always even and clear, just like the road up isn't. But we are not alone. The Holy Spirit nudges and pushes and pulls. And we are in community with others who seek to follow Jesus. This week, I invite you to reflect on where Spirit has been guiding you Maybe it's obvious and you just need help taking the first next step. And maybe you need some more time and discernment to figure out how God is calling you. And hear me say that that is okay and to be, to seek out others to be in that discernment. Again and again, Jesus leads us back down the mountain into the world that yearns to know that we are more than our worst day, into a world that yearns for peace, into a world that needs us, needs us, needs me and needs you and needs us together. May we always be open to where Jesus leads us and may we take courage every time that we receive the whisper, do not be afraid. Amen. <laughs>